Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clement's each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes... Lots of other marvellous benefits and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash iron filings. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine, I am Andy Hot Body Dawson, pow pow pow. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney, so what? Welcome along, it's another History Box Uh episode series properly this isn't going to be a one-off and we are looking at the very first edition of a very important magazine from the 1990s loaded and we're looking at the may 1994 launch issue and this is this has been inspired by the recent publication of the um memoir we could call it by our mutual friend uh james brown who was the editor of loaded um, his book came out last week. I haven't read it yet. Uh, I've got a copy, but I haven't read it yet. Sam, you've you read all of it by now. I haven't quite read all of it. I've read seventy-five percent of it. Funny enough, you... the bits that I have not read loads of is uh, are the a lot of the loaded days, which is like the middle. So I read because a, a lot of that I you know those were stories that obviously. I'm familiar with having known James and a lot of the other lads and worked there and worked in the building and stuff. But the stuff at the beginning about James's childhood and the stuff, yeah. obviously, to me at the end about him getting sober, like the drinking and drugs yeah. getting too much and him getting sober, those were, I was interviewing him for the reset this week. So those bits were the of particular interest to me because they were the bits right. that I didn't know as much about. The loaded stories. I was. I'm really, obviously, looking forward to. And as I said to him on the pot, I mean, and we've said countless times, this magazine had a huge impact on us, loads of other lads of our generation and lasses. And you know, the more I think about, it, just talking to James the other day, the more I realise it's got a fucking huge impact on on Top Flight Time Machine. So in I a way, I feel good. like we're paying our dues. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Because this, a, a lot of the, the sensibilities, yeah. yeah, the spirit of Lord definitely runs through this podcast. Um, in in terms of um, irreverence, I guess. Um, yeah, it's like James said. Finding in, joy in 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 the everyday, everyday, almost trivial, but um, you know, yeah, living out se- loud is very the, much a yeah, loaded the, thing. And celebrating the seem and elevating the seemingly mundane is something yeah. that Loaded did. And when you read it, because all the other magazines, and I was a big magazine fanatic were sort of almost by design elitist, which appealed to me actually, but in a different way, because I felt like I was peeping into an exclusive club that I probably would never actually be a member of, but that I could access via these magazines, you know, in a voyeuristic way. And I did, and I did like magazines like The Face for that reason. But then Loaded was like, 
fucking hell. This is just like, they're, they're talking about all the shit that I do already, mm. but they're writing and presenting it as if it's like the greatest stuff in the world. And then you start to think, oh my God, it is the greatest stuff in the world. Life is yeah. brilliant. And that was what was really amazing was like, they're telling you really, not like, hey, if you had this watch or you went to this nightclub, then your life could be as great as ours. They were saying, your life's already great because look how brilliant it is to go out with your mates, get drunk, go to a foreign city, have fish and chips for your dinner, watch the football at the weekend. This is all brilliant. Celebrate like joy and and beauty and fun surrounds all of us all the time. And that was wonderful, especially when you're a slightly bored adolescent. I mean, in terms of like men's magazines, I probably would have, before Lorde came along, I think I would have bought Esquire more than any of the others. Mm. Um, but that Squire had good writing felt, in it, didn't it? it? Yeah, it felt more literary than kind of Arena yeah. or GQ did. They felt more fashion. Which were more fashion yeah. watches. Esquire, like you buy watches, Esquire. Yeah. They'd, be like, they'd be like a six-page interview with David Lynch or something, so you'd buy Esquire to read Yeah, that. and they'd but, have people yeah. like Brett Easton Ellis uh, or, yeah. I guess, latterly Nick Hornby or people like that writing for them, wouldn't they? But you'd, you'd read maybe two or three things that were in there that were worth you really wanted to see and the rest of it was kind of just flick through and yeah it was just all adverts and fucking 10 page bullshit and them little those little sachets of cologne or face cream yeah that sort of really stunk when you opened it yeah well they were like little wet wipes or something weren't they sometimes yeah tear the top off there'd be a little wet wipe inside yeah yeah and it would smell of Givenchy pour on the, Maybe they still do that. The thing know. about Loaded is, and I suppose like there'll be some blokes uh, uh, and, and girls listening who, who are our age and remember all of this, and hopefully they feel nostalgic. But if there are younger guys, or even older ones, who this probably didn't speak to us directly at the time, all I'd say right from the get-go is one of the other reasons we're doing this, apart from to pay our dues to a magazine that basically showed us you could celebrate being daft and stupid yeah. without actually being an idiot like it's you know James said something that I thought was very inspirational to me when I set out being a journalist he wanted to treat serious stuff in a silly way and silly stuff in a very serious way and that was that was an aspiration of mine when he verbalized that to me I thought yeah I think I must have picked up that vibe via the pages of Loaded when I was a student and thought yeah this is what I want to do but the other thing is, is that you'll hear this phrase lad mags bandied around now like a dirty word, right? Mm. Because it conjures up uh, what we now call toxic masculinity, uh, misogyny, sexism, the yeah. uh, the sort of, um, what do you call it, objectification of women, etc., etc. And, you know, lad mags, men's mags did evolve into all of those things. Over time, they became, I suppose they all had elements of that right from the get-go, but that became more and more inflated as it became more and more commercial and they just sort of went for lowest common denominator. But when this magazine was started, it's really unfair to call it that. I mean, we just look at this first cover. It's got a really moody, beautiful shot of Gary Oldman on the cover, right, in black and white. And the cover lines are mostly just about blokey adventure. Do you know what I mean? Celebration of life. The writing was brilliant. They didn't use... There's a couple of famous columnists in there, like Vic Reeves is doing that. But it's not like they were using established, highfalutin writers either. They were using just a ragtag gang of lads who James had sort of identified and collected from all sorts of unusual places who just were 
absolutely brilliant at telling stories, just like your your funniest mate in the pub would tell you a story about what he got up to at the weekend. That's what all of yeah. these writers like Martin Deason, Michael Holden, my personal favourite, you know, um, and all the others uh, were all just brilliant at doing. So they were better than all these highfalutin writers, these Tony Parsons or whoever it was who were writing the long essays in Arena and GQ at the time, you know? Yeah. I mean, Vic Reeves there, you mentioned, has got a column right at the back because um, Vic um, will have been good mates with James because James featured Vic and Bob in the NME for the first time. I think back. James. I think Vic was James's landlord at this time. I haven't got right. that bit in the book yet, but I believe right. he was, yeah. Yeah, I think that was a thing, yeah. And there's also an interview with Dorian Crook, who was a comedian who used to appear with Vic and Bob when they did the, the pub shows, but he never transferred to the, the TV version. Of yeah, I thought that, that was really because, interesting. Mm. Mainly because Dorian Crook's alter ego was the toff, and he would come on stage and he would tell some jokes, a very laid-back kind of thing, and the audience, as one, would just all shout, Fuck off, toff! <laughs> so, yeah, that wouldn't really work on Channel 4 back in the early 90s. No. The, the, the fuck word wasn't liberally used as much as it is now. Yeah. So Dorian, I think, must have got cut from the... Uh, the That's a shame. Like, yeah, I read transfer. that. And most of the stuff that I had my initial kind of nostalgic flick through was stuff that I thought, oh, this is amazing. It was so prescient because that whole kind of Euro 96 that we talk about, that I go on about, where all of this stuff, the fun, mm. hedonistic, balmy, stupid 90s culture reached its absolute brilliant apex, right? This was yeah. two years before that, but this sowed the seeds of all of that. The release of well, this magazine is ground zero for the yeah. for the 90s sort of lad culture. I'm just looking up to see when Terry Venables was appointed England manager. It might have been the same month as this yeah, first yeah, issue of the order No, came I think out. it might have been before. I think it might have been the year before. But he was certainly there's a, there's a mention of the fact that David Platt's England captain here, and I thought, oh, that's kind of more Graham Taylor era. So again, even in the England team, so there's a piece about yep. Sampdoria. We're kind of moving out of that era and into like the mid '90s pump of Ven- Terry Venables. Venables was, yeah. was appointed two months before Lauder came out. So That's it's all incredible. kind of tied in together. Because that, that was a massive breath of fresh air when he got the England job. Yeah, because- and, again, and you can't overestimate. That was the same year. And i tell you what else happened this year. Tony Blair became Labour leader in 94 as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all tied in. Because you had a Tory government that was kind of a lame duck government. It was John Major. He'd won mm. the election in 92. They'd run out of ideas. They'd run out of energy. You know, the, their popularity was dwindling. John Major was all about back to basics in English life yeah. and fucking road corn hotlines and all this sort of thing. They were just they were just a joke. Even though John Major seems now to be like kind of a, a sensible level headed kind of figure mm. compared to like everything else that's going on. Um he's, he's probably the best Tory. It was it was, it was, it was beset with scandal, yeah. wasn't it? And there'd been a big recession. It, yeah. It was beset with set yeah. with sleaze. So it seemed really old fa- basically we you know we we I mean this is another thing that we talked about extensively but We've jumped back like we were attached to a fucking bungee rope, right? To the pre nineties era where it was all stuffy old kind of right wing, um, posh public school boys running everything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and everyone else scraping by and the joy being sucked out of it all. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. level headed, right minded people 
who kind of understood the needs and requirements of ordinary folk were sort of taking charge or we could see the first incident. So Terry Venables was the last person that the FA would have ever considered. Tony Blair yeah. was clearly going to be a winner from the day they got him. But before that, every Labour leader, you kind of think, yeah, he's got a good heart, but he'll never get elected because he's too scruffy or he's too Northern or he's too Welsh. And, it, you know, yeah. the people won't quite be able to picture him in Downing Street. Tony Blair came in, which was only as a result of the sad death of John Smith, which happened very suddenly. Mm. And straight away, the next day, you thought, oh, yeah, right, Labour will win now because everything else was already in place. And then you thought Terry Venables became England manager and it's the same thing. You sort of thought, oh, right, England are going to win something now because we've got a proper manager in charge. We haven't just got the the, the sort of um, safe option that the FA would usually take, you know. Mm. And, I mean, pains me to say this, but Kevin Keegan's Newcastle team kind of added to the atmosphere of swashbuckling, fucking gung-ho fun at all costs kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely right. It's just the antithesis of... The politics of the time. I mean, lots of people now retrospectively say that John Smith would be... He was the the Labour PM we never had. I'm mm. not sure he might have won. No, I don't. I, and I'm not sure Gordon Brown would have won if he took over no, after John Smith died. That's, that's right. It had to be Tony Blair in order to get that essential victory, I think. Well, at this point, when this mag came out, it was an apex in my life, which is related to that, because I'd been working... I'd been working for the Labour Party at... Westminster. I'd taken a year off before going to university and I'd got a job working as a researcher for Harriet Harman. And they'd been in opposition at that stage for, what would that have been, 13 years? 14 years almost, yeah. 15 years, maybe. And um, they'd had a very bruising defeat in the 92 election that that everyone had expected them to win and they'd somehow lost to Major. And I joined them at a really weird time. In fact, I remember my brothers saying to me, Fuck me! You got to be the unluckiest fucking kid in the world. You join, <laughs> you join, you know, you, you join the Labour Party. The, the only two cards you've got in your fucking wallet are a Labour Party membership card and a West Ham season ticket, right? <laughs> this was obviously my Spurs supporting brother and my QPR supporting brother said this. They said yeah. like, you know, you just back losers, and I was like, <laughs> quite, I was quite proud of that in a way, but it was a bad time. Anyway, I was working for Harriet Harman. She was the chief sec- shadow chief secretary to the treasury. And there was a set of offices. We were in, and it was all open plan. So it was us, then there was Gordon Brown and his team. And then there was the other, and then there was Peter Mandelson, right? All in this building in Millbank. And Tony Blair worked in a different building down the road, but he would come back and forth for meetings, right? And uh, they all played stereotype. Harriet Harman was very sort of quite highly strung, but very charming and, and a laugh, right? And was always very nice to me. And she'd go, Sam, I only want you to work here three days a week no four days a week I want you to have Fridays off and I go well I don't mind and she go well I can't really pay you much and I anyway I think that teenagers need their free time to go and buy guitar strings or whatever it is you do I always remember <laughs> her saying that and I was like oh yeah alright <laughs> and but her that she had three researchers yeah <laughs> where do you where do you meant to take your leather jacket to the dry cleaners? It was exactly like that, you, you bloody punk rockers. She was like Mr. Morris. I look back and she was probably younger then than I am now. But yeah, you wouldn't probably. have fucking known it. But she was a laugh. I liked her and she was really nice to me and I learned a lot from her. Uh, but the the senior, I was very much the junior researcher. The senior researcher was Ed Miliband. So he was... Right. So it was me, him and this other lad who was in the middle... 
who was called Pete, who went on to be a record executive at like Warner Brothers. But everyone else <laughs> in our milieu, apart from me and Pete, went on to be very famous politicians. So, in so Ed Miliband was our chief researcher. But we would, I would literally sit with Ed Miliband in the canteen, having fucking egg and chips or whatever it was. Yeah. Cu- Tuesday was Curry Tuesdays, right? Every right. week, every week. And he wasn't, you know, I don't know how much older he was than me. He'd graduated from Oxford. And I was like going off to Sussex University. I'd been knocked back by Oxford. Uh, and but although he had even advised me, because I'd got an, I'd aced my A levels, and I went, I thought, fuck it, I'm supposed to be going to Sussex, but I think Oxford will take me for an interview now because I aced all my A levels. So I, I said, I'm, I'm going for an interview at Oxford, but I don't know anything about it. I don't know anyone who's ever been there, and I don't even know what the names of the colleges are. And he said, all right, I'll tell you what to say in the interview. So he told me a few things, but I mean, I didn't understand what the fuck he was on about. I went into Was the it interview. all in Latin? I made a cunt of myself in the interview <laughs> because I had eight my levels. But Sam, for God's sake, lose the accent. Well, do you know what? The truth is, is that I've said this before. I'm supposed to say, well, it was prejudice. My face didn't fit or my accent wasn't right. But it's not true because they were more than happy to see me. And the mm. truth was, I didn't come across as clever enough in the interview. And I'd like to say, oh, it's because it was nerves. But the truth was, I wasn't clever enough in the interview. Because beyond the grades, if it had been grades alone, they probably would have let me in. But they wanted to see whether or not someone could think intelle- who was intellectually capable and nimble and well-informed yeah. and well-read enough. Do you, do you know what I mean? Not just, oh, mm. there's some A's on a bit of paper. And I fucking wasn't, Andy. I, you like that? Oh. I, I was going. Oh, I was good at writing fucking answers in English exams because I was nifty at writing like nice sounding sentences. But I wasn't. You know, it was just like it wasn't like oh bad luck or prejudice. It was just like I just wasn't actually clever enough. I mean, you know, I had every opportunity. Jalapeno. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Jalapeño. But anyway, he was the chief researcher. Fucking across the from me was Yvette Cooper and Ed Balls, right? They were both Gordon mm. Brown's researchers. Were, were they a couple at that point? No, they weren't. Ooh. They weren't, but I remember there was a lot of it was just there was a lot of sort of romantic intrigue there in that. Not, not, in, of romance not involving me because I was fucking really young and anyway, the, you can imagine most of them were like super nerdy. To be fair, although they were all nice, you know, I fancied myself as like much cooler than all the rest of them. Yeah. <laughs> and they're the ones who end up running the country, and I'm the <laughs> cunt doing podcasts well, about the crankies. Do you know what I mean? But like, <laughs> I did years later. 
Wait, I went to a fundraiser, right? Um, like a, it was a it was a dinner, and it was a I think it was at the Ar- Arsenal Stadium, the new one, and it was a fundraiser for Ed Miliband when he was leader, but he'd just become leader, and I got sat on a table next to Harriet Harman because they knew that I'd worked for her once upon a time. And by that stage, I was editing Heat, and Ed was had just been elected leader of the Labour Party, right. and we'd both been her researchers like twenty years previously. And he came round the table to say hello, and he was like, "Hello, oh Sam, nice to see you, Harriet. How are you?" And I, she went, "Oh, it's funny to think you both worked for me at the same time." And I went, "Yeah, that's right. Who are you prouder of?" And she <laughs> went, "What?" And I said, "Well." We were both like sons to you, weren't we? Which one are you proud of? He's leader of the party. Who's your favourite? I said, my magazine sells more copies than any other fucking weekly in the country. I said, I'm doing half a million copies a week here. <laughs> Knocking them out myself. I was like, this is, uh, this is unbelievable. And uh, I was like, I definitely get paid more than him. And she was like, well, I do like the pages where you'd make fun of the, cl- of the clothes that the celebrities wear. <laughs> <laughs> I always try to look at those pages. I said, I think she's prouder of me, mate. <laughs> but anyway, as I left, I, I got sick of doing it, to be honest. Again, another good opportunity that I was just like, oh, don't really like this. Because I wasn't doing anything interesting. It was very interesting to be around these people, obviously. But it was, I don't know, all my mates were like running around having adventures and I was like going in there every day so I was a bit I was probably a bit unappreciative but in the end I got a job in a call centre and I quit to do that oh fucking honestly yeah because I wasn't really getting paid by the, I was doing it for the oh, experience right. and okay. I was li- I was living at home and I was signing I was declaring that work but I was still getting income support right and yeah. my brother wanted to go to the 1994 USA World Cup and he was earning good money and he basically said if you can get yourself out there, if you can pay for your flight, I've got a mate whose flat we can borrow, right, in LA, and I'll sort the match tickets, right? And I'll, yeah. you know, he was he, I, he, he was more or less like, I'll pay for the rest of it, right? And we'll get free accommodation. But you've got to get your money together to get flights to LA. Mm. And I was like, I fucking fancy that. I'm very much yeah, in the spirit of Loaded, which was basically fuck you know that line in that Oasis song which I thought was very sort of loaded at the time which is you can live for a lifetime spend your day in the sunshine you might as well do the white line right which obviously referred to cocaine but it didn't have to be cocaine cocaine. don't do cocaine but it was to me it was sort of like what loaded was saying it was just like all their writers were just like oh fuck it just get on a cheap flight and go and have a laugh so I quit working for the future government in order to get a job in a call centre in Putney doing market <laughs> research to businesses <laughs> in order to raise... And I worked there seven days a week, most weeks, in order to raise money to go to LA for the World Cup. But after I'd left, first Loaded came out, because that's my first memories on the bus on the way to this job, looking at this magazine, thinking, fuck me, this is amazing. Mm. And then, on my like second or third day in the job, I got up one morning, switched on the radio, and they said, John, John Smith's had a heart attack and dropped dead. Right. So I thought, right, the journalist instincts kicked in. I was sad because I'd met him a few times and he was a nice guy. But I went, I thought, right, I need to get in amongst it and see what's going on back at back at the old stomping ground. So I fucking called them up and I said, let's go for a drink. And I went for a drink with all of these researchers, Ed Miliband and all the rest of it. 
to say, right, who are you all backing, Gordon or Tony? And they'd all worked in the same office as Gordon. So Gordon was someone who we saw every day and was just part of the perch. And we all looked kind of respected as the big boss man and the next leader. Mm. And within a few days, I'd got there and I'd go to them, so are you all backing Gordon? And they all looked at their feet. Ooh. And I went, what the fuck's this? And they're like, Mutiny. well, everyone's kind of decided that Gordon's the better man, but Tony's the winner. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I was yeah. like, wow, this is amazing. This is really exciting. Anyway, that was the end of my fleeting dealings with politics, really. So, But it was so all tied just, into this loaded era because just as I left, this yeah. mag came out. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, so you remember the first time you, you saw it, you picked it up and you, where you were when you first read it. Because I do as well. I, I was I was in Sunderland. Uh, it was a day off work. I was working at Owl Price at the time. And I was due to meet me mate Paul. Um, for a pint, an afternoon pint, which is oh, an afternoon pint's a great thing. Um, when you're 22 and you've got a day off, and I just called into a newsagent on the way from. I got off the bus in Sunderland, called in the newsagent, saw this magazine loaded. Gary Oldman's on the front. It says Super Lads. Mm-hmm. It's setting its stall out, isn't it? Yeah, really? that's what I like the, about it. It was very yeah, explicit. Yeah. The Super Lads underneath it says Gary Oldman, Paul Weller, and Eric Cantona. So there you go. You've got those big three yeah. names on there. It's 95 pence which obviously is very appealing as well. So no brainer at that price. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I'll pick this up. Let's see what it's about. Because there have been other magazines around. Like, I remember, like, Sky Magazine was around. Well, yeah, but that was, like, more like... I always thought of that as, like, the face light. It was a celebi kind of thing, wasn't it? It was sort of like... It was like the face for people who weren't... Couldn't quite... They weren't brave enough to actually get the face, which was very po-faced and elitist. This was like that, but a younger crowd. It was really popular at my school, Sky. People loved it. You had that that level of the the blue-chip men's magazines. Underneath you had Sky and probably The Face. But then this... I mean, we we just... I met him in the pub, and I was sat in the pub for 10 minutes before he got there. And I remember him turning up, and I said... Fucking look at this. Look at this. Yeah. I was only like 10 yeah. pages in. Yeah. I think I got as far as the Sampdoria photo shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, this is this is a magazine that, that's been made for us. Yeah, exactly and what there I was, thought. There was yeah. nothing like it before. And it was just like, you know, I'm, I've never been what you would call a lad. Yeah. Lads, 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 banter, 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 all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's an intelligence level to this that... Yeah, that you, but you can only pick up... stereotypical you, lads thing. Exactly, and only, I think, you know, you either got it... You are, If you know, you know, it was one of those. You can pick yeah. up on the subtext in the right, in the irony. To me, you open it up, and the editor's letter, right, is... I haven't read what James has written, right, but the picture would usually be... If you pick up one of the other glossy magazines, there'd be a picture of someone sucking their cheeks in with half a shadow across their face trying to look like the coolest, most snobby cunt you've ever seen. In the a roll neck sweater. With a roll neck sweater, right? This was, is, is a picture of some Japanese middle-aged men in, <laughs> in, in individual baths high above the sky in some sort of... <laughs> it's really weird. And underneath, the small caption just says, Cheers, celebrating the first issue of Loaded at the regular Monday morning staff meeting. See, now that's the sort of thing that you'd see on social media and it would be ironic and you'd think, ah, yeah. you'd still laugh. But at that Japan's. time, you're like, what the fuck's this? And that, that's why from the first page on, you either knew or you didn't. So me and mm. you, living hundreds of miles apart, not knowing each other, or even different ages, we would have both looked at it and thought, oh, okay, these guys are really funny and clever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
But yeah. I took mine to the pub um, with some mates from my school. There was a lot of mates at my school. You know, my school's in a little leafy enclave called Sheen, which was not very near to where I lived. I travelled quite a long way to get away from my shit local school. And a lot of the kids were quite... They were sort of like... You know, they were kind of arty and interested and into music, but some of them were pretty middle class, some of my mates, right? And therefore, in their tastes as well as their socioeconomic background. And so I remember getting this out and showing it to some of them and them just being like, I, you know, it's sort of like that first point where you realise I'm going to have to ditch some of these. <laughs> yeah. Because some of them were just like, what the fuck is that? I don't get it. What's this? Why is Rod Stewart in it? No, this is just stupid, right? And you're like, oh, mate. And some of them were like, I remember this one girl who I haven't seen in years called Juliet, and she was like laughing on this platinum row because they've got this little key for what that relates to the different behaviours of the fucking people, right? This is something I wanted to talk about because the amount detail that's in this She straight incredible. away saw that, and there's one that says hijinks, and it's a picture of a white line going up her nose. And she's like, yeah. oh, this is fucking funny. These guys know what they're doing, don't they? Right? And I was well, like, oh, thank God someone fucking gets it. And she was a yeah. woman. Well, it says down the side of the page, very small letters compiled by Mick Bunnage. And Mick, of course, was one half of, well, not become one half of modern toss. Yeah. And Mick is fucking brilliant. I've met Mick a few times. And the, the level of detail that goes into this with all of the different symbols and the key at the bottom, the various things. It's Platinum Rogues. It's a top 22 of, um, I think, they're, are they all men? They're, no, Brett well, Eklund's in men. it. Brett Eklund's in, in it, there. yeah. But all of the men, men, it sets its stall out like the cover so quickly because all of these men, again, to me, most of them I either hadn't heard of or I'd heard of but not seen a lot of them being celebrated before. And like, it was obviously James and the other members of the team were ready to sort of revive the reputations of some people. Like the other mags only had celebrities who were like pop stars or shiny new celebrities. But they're mm. like celebrating people like Alex Higgins, fucking Leslie Phillips, Peter O'Toole, Dennis Skinner. Yeah. This is like mental. Yeah. It's absolutely mental. But it's there's an interesting bit because it's platinum rogues. Obviously, this roguish behaviour, which we've kind of said in the past, is a bit pathetic mm. when taken to extremes. But number 20 is James Woods. And Mick's written, A recent interview with a female journalist was conducted on the condition it was held in the privacy of his hotel bedroom. Famous for, him, for his politically correct film roles or the huge gulf between fact and fiction. Wow. So they're calling out James Woods there. Yeah, for, for a me too type. And, yeah. yeah, they're calling him out right from the off there. It's not kind of like, oh, go on, well done, son. Which a no, lot of people exactly. think is, is what the, it was all about. And it did magazine. become like yeah. that because there was all these Me Too yeah, magazines. Yeah, but FHM came out and basically surpassed Loaded really quickly. FHM had already existed and then they looked at Successor Loaded and they were like, oh, let's mimic that but let's make it more mainstream and more populist, which basically meant they did Loaded, but they took all, out all the smart bits and just focused more tits. on tits, fast cars, whatever. The, the sort of more like obvious kind of masculinity stuff that was more popular because it's going to have a wider reach. Do you know what I mean? And that comes back to us saying that we only want to, we want to reduce ourselves um, eventually to one pure listener. Um, a mag like yeah. loaded and that's you know we've both worked with J James so we know he walks it as he talks it it's just the size of the balls on the fucking madman 
He's like, I'm putting all of this shit in a magazine. Why? Because I think it's funny. But James, no one else will. I don't give a fuck. I'm putting it out yeah. anyway. Do you know yeah, what I mean? That's, Apparently, that's that thing. it did. It did. You know, it didn't research well. They researched the fuck out of dummy magazines like this. Yeah. And it didn't research well. But Alan Lewis, who was who was once my boss as well, yeah. and was James's boss at this time, was just a fucking like the executive editor, wasn't he? Alan? Yeah. And Alan was an incredible bloke. His former NME and sounds editor, and just a great man. And he was just like believed in James, so he, yeah, I think he um, sort of fudged the research data he, he to get it. Figures I was reading this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 to just get it through because quite right, this stuff is weird, and a mass market audience shouldn't have liked it, but they did. Yeah, exactly. It's that thing of having the the, the courage and, you, and the confidence in what it is you want to do mm. and going for it. But like the um, the various symbols in this platinum rogues page are booze, sex, rook. Wheels, hijinks, ponce, blubber, ah, pig, ponce. gambling, spilt ink, nutter. Nutter's represented by the letters KP. Um, gross, uh, artist, dosh, golf, singer, shocker, footballer, ding dong, and excess sprog. <laughs> that must be Rod Stewart, I think. What's excess sprog? Oh, Keith baby. Yeah, Keith, Keith Allen's Allen. got like five of them it says he he's got five kids with four different lucky women one of whom turned out to be Lily Allen who was probably Lily just a Allen. toddler at this stage yeah uh, yeah he gets five excess sprog symbols yeah. next to his name um, we'll leave it there because there's so much more to get stuck into in this we've barely scratched the surface yeah well, it's great um, there's so much more to come but we've given a good overview of Loaded we'll we'll tweet some screenshots or whatever or pictures of bits as we talk about them because if you want to try and buy this issue online it's about 40 quid I think mm. um, and I think it's probably becoming more expensive with James's book having just come out but we've both got a copy because um, Logis- Landy Dawson Logistics quite simply exactly. oh we'll be back with more of this next week then this feels like fun yeah it does uh, thank you very much and goodbye goodbye Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.